Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome you to Call. This is our new series. It's only the second weekend. And if you weren't with us, it's available online. You can watch it on our BC app. But lesson one, man, we had a blast. And the chatter in the lobbies, I like to say it that way. The chatter was off the charts. We were excited about that last week's message. And just to catch us up, put us all on the same page, the word in the Bible that's translated as called or calling, doesn't matter the text, comes from the Greek word kaleo. And here's the definition. It just simply means this, an invitation to stand in a divinely appointed position. The invitation comes from heaven. God's invited all of us to stand in this divinely appointed position. There's a general call. We look at that today. And then there's a specific call that's tailored to you, what God created you to do on planet Earth. And it's pretty exciting too. Now, before we go any further, I want to welcome all the men at TCI Correctional Facility. Guys, we're excited about what God's doing in your lives. We pray for the population there, the general population. And I'm hearing people are coming to Christ. We're excited about it. And I'm just asking God to open up doors for you to share Christ and invite people uh, into services there at TCI. I also want to welcome our Boardman campus. We are so excited about what God's doing in Boardman. I know your worship was amazing. Campus pastor, Pastor Graham's incredible. Your children's ministry, second to none. And then your dream team volunteers are like ours, smiling faces, laying their lives down to make everything happen. And if you're visiting Boardman, it's so awesome to have you with us. And now I have the opportunity to teach both campuses together, which is really exciting. And this is lesson two. I, I, I titled it Called for God. And I think you'll understand that when we're finished. You're called for God, for his pleasure. He just, he absolutely loves you. And that's, when we talk about our general calling, that's what we're talking about. But I want to open up with a great frustration I had the first couple years that I was a Christian. I was in a great church, but they didn't teach a whole lot and a lot of preaching. And I just didn't know these things. So I walked around really frustrated. And the way we were told was in the future, on the other side, on the other side, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to get to know God and have a relationship with him. We couldn't really have one here, but maybe on the other side. And uh, we couldn't free ourselves from sin here. We were going to have to struggle with it. But when we got to heaven, we wouldn't have a sin problem. And uh, we couldn't know what the Bible teaches here. We'll know a little bit, but we wouldn't know it real well. But when we get over there on the other side, then we'll know. We couldn't walk in peace down here because Jesus said that uh, in this world, you're going to have turmoil and struggles. So we kind of emphasized that side of it. And so emphasizing that side was, I can't have any peace until I go to heaven. Then some great books came along and I went to another church that really helped me out too. And, and I, I read these books. This is before the internet, before you could Google and I found out, you know what? I can have a friendship, a relationship with God right here and now. I can become free from sin right here and now. I'll never be perfect. That's why one of our core values is no perfect people allowed because I can never be perfect. I'm going to always be growing in some area, right? But I can overcome and I can grow. And then I came to realize that I can understand the Bible here and now, and I can have peace here and now, even in the midst of a storm, we can have inner peace. So it was understanding my general calling, our general calling. Our general calling is identical for each and every one of us. And when I came to understand it, it brought incredible freedom. So this is my big idea 
for this lesson. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. We are called to live here like we will there. There's heaven. Here's now. And we're called to live here like we will there, which means everything we're going to do in heaven, we're allowed to begin to partake of it here. It will always be better in heaven, right? Uh, it'll be much better. We'll be much closer to God in heaven than we are here. But we can have a friendship with God. We can understand the Bible. We can walk free here. We have been invited by God to stand in the divinely appointed position of getting to know God and being free while we're here on planet Earth. Same for each and every one of us. So I divided this, I, I could say, took the three most common parts of our general calling. I want to deal with those today and have a fun as we do. And here's the first one. We're called to live under God's grace, as opposed to you and I living in a world where we're not sure if God's upset with us. We're not sure if he's mad at us uh, because we're not perfect. And so I want to just share a little bit about my background. I grew up in a traditional church, and I was taught that there wasn't just heaven and hell. There was also this place called purgatory. And purgatory was that third place. And it was kind of like an eternal uh, uh, penal system where you went there to pay for your crimes, right, for how you lived your life as a Christian. And so I was taught to believe that I would have to go there because I could not live good. I, I, I grew up wanting to do bad things. I don't know why, but I liked sinning. And so I'm a Christian, but I just like to do the wrong thing. And when I got to my junior year in high school, I just thought, you know what? You could also pray someone out of uh, purgatory, but it would take a while. But I thought, my mom and dad will die before me. And nobody but my mom would pray for me after I died. And so I thought, I'm going to be in purgatory forever, so I might as well just have fun while I'm here. Then I met Jesus, and then I realized, no, if you accept Jesus, you go to heaven. But then I brought the purgatory mentality into my Christianity, which is kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven, but God's got to be mad at me. And it's kind of like, I felt like every day I woke up, every time I went through a day, God was up in heaven with a scowl on his face, like, eh, that's Joe, eh, that's Joe, kind of like Dick Cheney, eh, Joe, I don't like you, Joe, eh. And it's like, that was my view of how God felt about me. He just didn't like me. And so I was just really bummed out as a young Christian thinking, I'll never live good enough to have God love me. And, and, and I knew I wasn't going to purgatory. I knew I was going to heaven, but I just felt like I am a great disappointment in God's eyes, and I am really disappointing God. And it wasn't until those great books came, and I learned this incredible truth that you and I are living under the grace of God. And living under the grace of God means you cannot earn his love. He loves you right where you're at. That's why one of our core values here is no perfect people allowed. Does that mean we just live anyway? No, it just simply means that we're all struggling somewhere. We're all trying to grow, but God loves us regardless. And that changed my life. So uh, I want to read some scriptures to you. Paul had to write an entire book called the book of Galatians on this subject. And listen to Galatians 1 verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in or under the grace of Christ and are turning again to a different gospel. So these Christians accepted Jesus, 
but then they were being deceived. There were these guys called the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers were Jewish people who didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And so wherever Paul would go start a church, they would follow him. Then Paul would go to start the next church. And when he left, these Judaizers, they'd be waiting out in the parking lot, so to speak. And when Christians came out, they'd show them scriptures and they'd say, you have to get back under the law of Moses. See, look at what the Bible says about circumcision. Circumcision is an eternal covenant. And in order to go to heaven, you have to be circumcised. Now, there's nothing wrong with circumcision. In our culture, it's for general hygiene, right? But in Bible days, in the Old Testament, you had to be circumcised to go to heaven. But then Jesus changed all that. And he said, if you accept me, I'll circumcise you, your hearts and I'll make you a new person. But they were deceiving all these people. So Paul is ready to lose a bunch of new Christians and they're ready to walk away from Jesus because they've been taught Jesus isn't enough by himself. And I doubt if any of us would ever go back under the law, but we kind of bring that purgatory mentality into our Christianity. So this, this principle is very important to us. So he's writing to them, and listen to what he says in chapter 5, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slave, slavery. And he's referring to going back under the law. And listen to this phrase. This is a beautiful phrase. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He's talking about freedom from condemnation. And guys, if you're a Christian, Jesus sets you free for you to walk in freedom. And the context here is from condemnation. God's not Dick Cheney scowling at you. God loves you no matter where you're at. And listen to verse 2. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. If you think you have to do something to go to heaven, he won't be of any value. Again, we don't go that far but we're like, I have to do this, I have to do that, or Jesus won't love me. He loves you regardless. Listen, listen to verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And all he's saying is, you're called to live under the grace of God. What's the grace of God? It's unmerited favor. I love you because you accepted Jesus no matter what. And it's one of the most beautiful things ever. But here's something else. This is also part of our general calling. God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He wants to grow us. And that's why he says this in the next verse, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh or sin. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So he's saying, hey, just because Jesus loves you no matter what, don't just indulge in sin because Jesus wants to grow you. And here's the next part of our general calling. It's absolutely beautiful. Listen to it. We are called to live pure lives. And I could have used the word holy, holy, pure. They both come from the same Greek word in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's the Greek word hagios. And you know what it means? To be spotless. God wants to clean us up, man. He wants to bring us to a place to where we're clean. So what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, if we have trouble lying, we grow and we stop lying. It means we have character and integrity behind closed doors. And that is a process. That's why we say no perfect people allowed. When I first met Jesus, the thing I struggled with the most was I liked to cuss. And I considered myself a professional cusser. And uh, there's some other guys in the church. We've had this conversation in some of my connect groups. They, they just, one guy looked at me and said, I just... I don't just, I didn't just have a problem with cussing. I love to cuss. And I said, 
That's where I was. I loved it too. It was like I like throwing those bombs everywhere I could throw them. And then I accepted Jesus. And then people in church are looking at me when I cuss in lobbies. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just what I do, you know? And they're saying, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, but I like it. It's, it's hard not to do, right? It's part of my life. And, and then one day I was reading the Bible and I couldn't find the word cuss in there, right? But it said, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And then I realized, well, that's unwholesome. And then it took me, it took me some more time, maybe a year or two after I saw that, to stop cussing. To this day, if I see someone in our lobbies and I'm talking and a cuss word comes out, I just kind of smile because you know why? God's going to grow them just like he grew me. He's going to grow all of us. And I just let that process happen in people's lives. Well, another part of purity is sexual purity. And that's a pretty big deal, sexual purity. And more so today than when I was growing up. It was a problem, but when I was growing up, there was no Google, no internet, no smartphones. You just had that house phone that everybody had to pick it up and use it, right? And so if you wanted to see pornography when I was growing up, you had to go to a store and buy a book. And then I had to worry, does this person know my mom and dad? And am I dead in a couple of weeks? Because they're going to tell my mom and dad. So it was harder to get. Today, kids, right on their phones. It's, it's just parents, it's, it's tougher to raise your kids than it's ever been, ever in a society. And so yet God wants us to be pure. So this is a true story. My grandson is nine. Uh, Joey, my granddaughter Riley, is seven. And about two years ago, Joey was seven. We're watching uh, a show. We were watching a movie at our house. And a commercial came on, and it's a scantily dressed woman, a couple of women scantily dressed. So I always bounce my eyes. So I bounce my eyes. And when I bounce my eyes, I see my seven-year-old grandson. He's like this. And he bounced his eyes and covered his, and, and covered his eyes. And, and I was just amazed. I thought, boy, his parents are doing a great job. And so being a grandpa, I wanted to make sure he wasn't walking in condemnation, which I knew his parents already said this to him. But I said, now, Joey, I said, you realize it's okay to notice girls are pretty. That's okay. He says, I know, Poppy. I just don't want to see them with their clothes off. I said, well, that, that's good. That's good. That's a good thing to do. Bounce, bounce your eyes. So um, this just happened at Christmas. Um, my, my daughter, Michelle, has Joey and Riley. Now Joey's nine, Riley's seven. They're in Walmart, and she's helping them pick presents out for their mom and dad. And she decided to shortcut through the store. And she wasn't thinking, but she went right by the lingerie department. So she's just walking along and not thinking. And Riley, who's seven, she just blurts out, these ladies need to put more clothes on. And Michelle looks, and it, you know, it's the bra models and the, all those models, you know. And so she thought, I wonder what Joey's doing. Well, Joey had a hood. He put his hood on and he's walking like this. <laughs> I just thought, that is so cool. Um, they're learning that there's such a thing as sexual purity. It's, uh, it's okay to notice, but and that's, you're not bad because you like girls, but let's stay pure. And I, I'm so proud of their parents for teaching them that. Well, they dealt with that in the Bible too. Let, let me show you a scripture. And it goes like this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 2 and 3. For you remember what we were taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important. This, he's letting them know this isn't my opinion. God's will is for you to be holy, hagios, pure, spotless. So stay away from sexual sin. Now, now he's just going to be specific for a moment because it's been this way throughout every culture. He says in verses 4 and 5, Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans or the non-Christians, who do not know God 
and his ways. And, it, you know, they're not bad. They just were never taught. I'll tell you another story. I was nine. This is when I was nine. And my dad, we're all in the kitchen one night. My, my six brothers and I, my mom, my dad just looks at me and says, son, let's go in the bathroom and have a talk. So we just have a one bathroom house. He takes me in the bathroom, closes the door, and I have no idea what I did. And he pulls this paper out of his pants and he starts unfolding it. And then I recognized it. He said, son, is this yours? Your mother found it in your pants when she was doing laundry. And, and it was, I cut out a page of the J.C. Penney catalog of the bra, the bra models. And my dad's just holding it there. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm dead. And I, I, I said, yes, sir, that's mine. He goes, why, why do you have it? I go, I don't know, dad. I just like looking at it. And uh, I have no idea. You know, I'm just a kid. So my, my dad, because he, he didn't know the Bible, he never read it at that time, he folds it up and says, don't let your mom find it anymore <laughs> in your pants. Like, hey, dad, you're a cool dad. So, so he, he knew no better, right? But as you come in church, you come in church, you read the Bible, you start to, to learn what God thinks. Listen to verses seven and eight. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. This is not my opinion, guys, but rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And this is not meant for condemnation. All he's saying is God teaches us to be sexually pure. And I'm not going to get into a whole message on what that means. But you might be sitting here saying, how do, how do you grow, not just in sexual purity, how do you grow in purity in every area of your life? And I think there's two things you have to understand. Here's the first. You are pure by birth. If you accepted Jesus, the real you, your spirit man on the inside, is created in his image and likeness. That's why Ephesians 1.4 says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So the real you is already holy. All we're trying to do now is work it out on the outside. So we're renewing the mind and our body always wants to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. So there is a struggle, no perfect people allowed. It's a process, we're growing. We all have our issues, right? And we're just growing out of our issues. But here's the way that it works. You have to come to know that. And then here's, here's the other tool you need. 2 Corinthians 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. Don't allow any unwholesome talk to come out of your mouth, right? In our lives, it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Every good work would be what you're doing with your specific calling. And so guys, here's all I can tell you. I, as a Christian now for, I don't know, 40 some years, 41 I think, I just read the Bible, and as I read it, I learn things, and I say, okay, all right. And if you're not sure if the Bible's the Word of God, here's what I can tell you. If you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit will let you know, hey, this is God speaking to you. And as I read it, I just see, I need to change this, I need to change that. But then here's what I say, God, I don't want to. Sometimes I say, I don't want to. I didn't want to stop cussing. I don't want to. And, and sometimes I say, I'm going to need your help. Man, I can't do this on my own. And guess what? God will help us. So uh, God has called us to live under grace. That's no condemnation. He loves us no matter what. And he's called us to grow in our purity, which is a process. But we all have that same calling. We're all growing spiritually. And I like this third one. It's my final one. And this is amazing. Listen to this one. We are called to be God's friend. We have been invited by God to stand in the divinely appointed position of having a friendship with God himself. Another true story. 
I, I played football, as you know, last week I talked about the loose helmet, my first concussion, my broken nose. When I was a freshman, uh, the freshman at JFK back in 1973, we weren't allowed to, to dress varsity, be around, you know, play with the varsity, but we rubbed shoulders in other ways. And there was a couple seniors on the varsity team that I just thought these are my people. Like, they're just like me. And I wanted to be friends with them. And I'd say, hey, let's go out, let's hang out. Cause I had, old, I had three older brothers and I'm used to being around older guys. So let's go do something. And they would look at me and say, listen, you're a doofus. That's the word we used back then. I don't know what they used to say. All freshmen are doofuses and we don't want you around us. So someone was leaving first service today and they said, see you doofus. So they, they, they got it. They got my point. So they wouldn't be my friends. And then I accepted Jesus. And we probably all have had people that didn't want to be our friends. We thought they were really cool, right? Then I accepted Jesus and I found out, you know what? God wants to be my friend. So it really doesn't matter if someone else doesn't want to be my friends. God wants to be your friend. And that's absolutely amazing. And I want to show you where the shift came in John 15. Listen to this, John 15, 15, Jesus. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what is his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And this is where it's shifted from God calling us servants to God saying, hey, you're my kids and you're my friend. It's a big shift. Now, sometimes you'll read the New Testament and Paul or Peter, they'll say, Paul, a servant of God, of Lord Jesus Christ. And he's using a totally different word. The word he's using means a bond slave. And here's all he's saying. I know I'm a child of God, but I have, I have given myself to the work of the Lord and I have become a bond servant of Jesus. God says, you're my friend, but Paul's saying, I, ju I just given my life to serve God. So we're friends of God. And here's the coolest scripture. Let's just see we're called. You ready? It goes like this. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word fellowship, Greek word kononia. Do you know what that Greek word kononia means? An intimate friendship. So I want you to notice this. We have been invited by God, called to stand in the divinely appointed position of being a close, intimate friend of God. And so for most of us, because we're human and God's invisible, that seems weird. Like, how do I do that, right? And here's what I learned over the years. It's the most beautiful thing. We can talk to God. So I talk to God all the time. And, and, and I'm not weird. I'm a normal guy, but I talk to God all the time. And guess what? I hear God. He speaks to my heart, not through these ears, but I hear he exhorts me. He uses scriptures to do it. I read the Bible. He's always exhorting me. And he does that and will do that for every one of us in this room. It's absolutely amazing. When I read the Bible, I'm hanging out with God. It's God speaking to us. When I worship, I'm in the presence of God. Worship is the atmosphere of heaven. So it's like God has invited us to have a friendship with him. And man, there's nothing like getting close to the creator of the universe. Will it be better in heaven? Yeah, yeah, in heaven we won't have get, you know, go through the mind and, and, and the barrier of God being invisible, but it's amazing now. So I wanna show you, remember last week I talked about the number one prayer in the New Testament uh, and, and told you how I pray it for you guys all the time. And I shared the second half of the prayer. Can I show you the first half? This is what I pray for you guys three, four times a week. First Corinthians 1.16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Number one prayer in all the Bible. Listen to it, verse 17. I keep asking to God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen to this. 
so that you might know him better. The Greek says a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So somehow God can open up our understanding so we can have a relationship with the invisible God. So I remember years ago, my mom telling me, Joe, I don't, this is weird. I don't know how to do it. How do you, have a, how do you talk to God? And, and, and I just kept praying this prayer for my mom and it just changed. And I pray this prayer for you guys all the time that God would just give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I say, Lord, everybody that calls believers or home church, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so they might know you better. And that's what God's doing in our lives. So we are called to live under grace. We're called to become more pure. That's a process. And we're called to hang out with God. And I want to leave you with one more scripture. You guys ready for this? It's pretty powerful. It goes like this, Psalm 149.4. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Just that first part. You know what that means? He doesn't think you're a doofus. He wants to hang out with you. He loves being with you. He thinks you're the coolest thing that ever existed. And we're going to see that more and more in the next couple of weeks. God takes pleasure in hanging out with us. So TCI Boardman, Warren, I don't know about you, but I'm excited that we're called in this general calling, called to live under grace, called to, to become pure, and called to be friends of God. Can we just celebrate for a minute? Let God know how excited we are about it. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's pray for a moment. Lord, I did my best to teach this part of the scriptures. And I know you did the rest. I know the Holy Spirit's opening up hearts and eyes and helping us understand. Thank you, Lord God. It's so awesome. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, listen. I really believe the Holy Spirit's ministering to hearts right now. There's some of you, God, God is lifting condemnation right off of you. You're seeing for the first time that God loves you right where you're at. For others, I mean, you're just seeing, man, I can have a literal relationship with God himself. And he's speaking to your hearts. He's encouraging you. So I want to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does best. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. But maybe you walked in today and you weren't sure of your forever your eternity. And I want to just give you a chance to be sure when you die, you're going to go to heaven and not that other place. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up very carefully. Here's what Jesus said. When Jesus walked on the earth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to God. No one can come to God unless they go through me. He said, whoever believes in me, I will save their soul. And so the majority of us have done that. We've accepted Christ. Our whole world changed. The lights went on on the inside. It's amazing. But maybe you're listening. You say, I can't remember a day when I made it personal. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm asking you, what have you done with Jesus? And if you're listening, you say, hey, I'm ready today to pray and accept him. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, Boardman, TCI, Warren, can we help them pray at every campus? I want to encourage us. Can we pray a little louder? Let them hear our prayers as they pray. If you're praying this for the first time, just mean it. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior because I was born sin-stained. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You're the only way to heaven. And this day, right now, 
I accept you as my Savior. And I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, miracles happened. You probably didn't feel anything, but all your sins were washed away. You've come under the grace of God. God's changed you from the inside out. He gave you the gift of eternal life. He's now your father. He wants to be your friend. It's absolutely amazing. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.